This is the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Your hosts, Sam Harris and Nicholas Farik, digest the most interesting, informative and topical books, giving you their biggest insights. We expose different perspectives and tools to look at the world to make you wiser than yesterday. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. My name is Nico. As usual, I'm happy to be joined by my good friend and co-host Sam. And this week, we are discussing the book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things, written by Ben Horowitz. It is a book in the startup space, and it basically tells about all the problems that Ben Horowitz had during his own adventures as a startup founder and CEO. And he also gives some tips on as a startup founder and CEO, how to behave, what to do, and how to build a great company. And so what makes this book different compared to other management books is that most other management books talk to peacetime CEOs. So startups can either be in wartime or in peacetime. And so most management books focus more on the peacetime aspect, how to grow your business, etc. And so this book specifically looks at the hard things about startups, which is managing a startup in wartime. And so the first part of the book tells the story of Ben Horowitz and how he successfully sold his company to a very big player. So he, he and his partners launched LoudCloud in 1999, just before the dot-com bubble. And so LoudCloud offered enterprise software as a service to tech clients. And so with that dot-com bubble that happened in the year 2000, their trouble began because during that time, a lot of their major clients went bankrupt went out of business. And so their action, their business was declining rapidly. And so in order to survive, they took the decision to IPO. So to go public, to launch an initial public offering, like right after a market crash, which is like extremely difficult, but they managed to do it. And so after they went public, and, and so once you're public, you have to defend everything that you do towards the public. Like it's no, there, there's no small meetings where you just have to talk to a few VCs that invested in you. You have to like really defend everything that you do publicly. And so after that, he decided, he made the decision to completely pivot, to sell off his loud cloud business and to become Opsware, which is a completely different business. And they were working more on the tech stack. I don't know exactly the details on that. He doesn't go into that too much. And so, which was a huge decision and is not really done as a public company. They then got threatened because their business was so low to got to get delisted from NASDAQ where they were listed before. They had, because of the change, also mass employee revolts. So they had a lot of shit throwing at them. But at the end, he managed uh, to sell Opsware for uh, $1.6 billion to HP. So that's the first part where he describes his experiences. And then in the second part, it's more of, okay, these things, like he gives more tips and tricks specifically to startup CEOs and founders. Yeah, I guess that kind of all the biggest lessons that he's had. And then Starts relating them back to like the story that you just heard that he sort of told in the first half and things. But it's, yeah, it's really good. I said, it's called The Hard Thing About Hard Things. And that's basically what it's about. It's like starting a business is really hard and there's no such like fantasy story of it all just going really well. It's just general chaos the whole time and mm-hmm. <laughs> it takes a, a lot of, yeah, difficulties in, in the stride where you just have to like really sort of just dig deeper and think like sideways instead of going forwards and stuff and except that most things will just go wrong but if you just keep on trying to make incremental improvements ultimately you'll get there yeah for me what i took away like the, the first thing i took away when reading this was that like being a startup founder slash ceo is probably the hardest thing there is to do like I, I, 
from a point of view of, of like a career, like everything that he had to do, man, I was like, oh, yeah, it's yeah. You, you, you're constantly, it's kind of like reading like a scary story or something. It's just constantly so yeah. like, you just feel slightly stressed the entire time you're reading this book. Exactly. You're just like, oh, this sounds awful. I'm so glad I'm not you. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. oh, no. oh, again. Oh, um, more. Oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like he had to fire like the majority of his employees like three times. Yeah. You're like, you're like building a business. You're hiring people. You like them so much. You want them on your team. You're making them grow as a person. And then suddenly it's like, sorry guys, I have, we have to we have to let go 80% of our, our employees. And oh, it must be so difficult. So I was really, really impressed. And like, it, I think a lot of people think like, I, 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 I can be a, you know, a startup founder and, and, and a CEO, you know, that can't be that hard. And then, you know, a few years later, you're, you're a billionaire, et cetera. But when you hear these kind of stories, you realize that it's, it's not for everyone. And I think there's actually only a handful of people who are able to, to do this. Cool. <laughs> Which is nice because if I'm trying to do this right now and I have been yes. having some issues with it's not just like let's one guy join the team just because he was, he was like, ah, oh, I, I need a job. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And this is probably, <laughs> you know, sounds like the recipe for things going wrong. And we've had like one of our coders has been, it's been really good, but he has been just causing a lot of problems management wise and just not really listening to things. And you're like, well, long term, can I really like, turn the time to develop him as a person or do I just need to fire him straight away and obviously I'm like no I'm going to try and develop him but probably making a mess and I'm a lot of time but yeah either way I'm going to have a lot of things to deal with if anything goes slightly right in the next few months and if it doesn't then everything just stops straight away. Did, did this book motivate you or demotivate you? Motivate definitely okay just sort of like it's nice to sort of see the things as in, I kind of get motivated by like understanding my problems or like whenever think, anything tells me that I'm being stupid, it's like, shit, that's the way I can be improving. And I kind of, cause I, I think mm -hmm. kind of highly of myself anyway, but if someone says there's something bad, mm -hmm. I don't think worse of myself. I see like, I think better of myself. I'm like, oh, I'm already here. I could get even better kind of thing. And if you can kind mm -hmm. of keep that look at it without it going too much to your head, it's sort of, as in like, if you do it in a humble way, then it's good. If you like to see complete, yeah egotistical person it's not so good but as in as long as you can sort of see the problems that you're going to have and feel a bit more acknowledged it's, it's really useful what do you think in terms of he talks about like peacetime ceos and wartime ceos and like a peacetime person that thinks like you know long term they're pretty nice they'll sort of just talk about strategy and culture they'll follow the protocols and sort of have some backup plans and then minimize conflict and then you have the wartime ceo which is just about like right now we have these problems and i don't care who who <laughs> has any ideas about them otherwise we're just doing this and now yeah, like they may define like the culture, but like they just sort of define any protocols and they won't have even time to read books or think about goals. They won't have a backup plan and they'll just sort of shout at anyone that gets in the way of what they're trying to do. And then, what would you think about me here? Are you my, am I a peacetime CEO? I'm a wartime CEO? Because I'm starting to feel like I'm somewhere in the middle because mm. I'm trying to do some like the strategic culture and like minimizing conflict, but I, I literally have zero time anymore because I'm doing so much stuff. But I'm just obsessed mm -hmm. with reading books and like talking about things. So, yeah, confused. That's a good question. I think my initial reaction would be: you don't seem like a very confrontational person to me, at least. So, and, and from that perspective, like if you listen to what Ben Horowitz had to do as a wartime CEO, like you cannot be afraid to disappoint people. And so, for me personally, I I'm not very confrontational. Like I don't really like confrontation, and so I I consider myself more of a peacetime CEO. And I think that's that might be similar for you. Although I do believe that you can, you can like, you're, you don't panic easily. Mm. So there, I think 
you would have the resilience in tough times to to be able to think rationally uh, and, and make the correct decisions. So I can imagine you being in the middle. I think depending on how your, your company goes, you'll, you'll probably see where you thrive. But I think for you right, right now, do you consider your company in peacetime or wartime? I feel like we're like ramping up for war. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. That we've definitely been in peacetime over summer and things. I mean, at the time, I mean, nothing's been easy for sure. And I've just constantly had developers sort of being a problem. And yeah, I've kind of had to fight for like to get like my co-founders to come on board. And yeah, kind of everything's felt like a bit of a fight to get to the next step mm. in that sense. But also it wasn't too stressful over summer and like I kind of just wanted to be working hard and things. And then now starting Techstars, like doing all this mental madness where I've literally had like zero time I spent like from 8 a.m. until about 8 p.m. like talking to people on calls and then like at 8 p.m. I actually start working and getting mm. to like this snowball of stuff. And it, so it just feels a bit mad whilst also trying to recruit people and hang on to people and like keep people happy and all these things. So it feels a bit sort of wartimey in that sense. But also... It's not like, I mean, we're in a massive race against like someone's kind of sort of spot the same opportunity and sort of go for it. And like some people have been, but it's sort of, it's a race to kind of build the product in the right way for the customer rather than just to build like a social podcasting app because some people have tried and just failed, but it's really like nailing the things. So it doesn't matter if we're not the first to market. If we build something that actually really solves the problem, it will just be mm. viral and it will work. I know that. So it's it's kind of like, yeah, I feel a bit in the middle of not too panicked because we're in this nice textiles accelerator and they're kind of there's nice people around us and things. And I think it helps that people just like the idea mostly as in if, if everyone was just sort of coming back to us and the feedback being like, you're idiots, it would be like really hard. But most people are like, Oh, this is really cool. I want to help you and things. So I don't feel too sort of sad or like I'm going through like a hard moment yet. I think if we sort of fail to raise or something, or there's like a big major issues in the next three months, then it would sort of become a bit more wartime. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can, I can bit recognize the, the wartime stuff or what you're talking about. Because, um, so in my previous company, I was responsible for the fundraising part and it's, it's really tough to be like, to get a no, like, like a hundred times basically. Mm. So that's really tough. And so it's hard to keep up the spirits. And so our CEO, he's like super experienced and, and ultra optimistic. And I think he like, he is what kept the company floating through these difficult times, you know? And so it's, there's, there's, yeah, you need a special skill set and a special mentality to be able to, to stay positive during these really, really tough times. Yeah. I mean, morale has been really good, but nothing's been crazy tough. I've, I've had like setbacks, but as that's generally like always becomes my biggest priority when I think something goes wrong. But as in, we've, we've had like these hundred medicals and like a lot of them have been investors. And like the one, I think the one person that I was the most excited to talk to was like this investor in London who's, he runs this investing club and he's just like one of the most famous angel investors in London. He's like the guy. And he just, he just didn't listen to podcasts and he's just like, what the fuck? I don't get it. Why would anyone like, I, <laughs> he just sort of like tore us apart for 15 minutes. He was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And um, <laughs> that wasn't the best day, but I was like, yeah, whatever. And then like the next day, literally every single mentor that we had a call for was in a WhatsApp group with their friends, sharing podcasts, listening to books together and chatting about things. And they're all like, shit, I want this. I need this right now. You're solving the best problem. It was just like, <laughs> it was just like such a good example of, I think that was like the sort of the eighth day, but like, but it took sort of six, seven days of talking to people again and again, like 10 people each day. Like some being interested, some not, but like no one being like, 
crazy to the point where I'm going to invest or anything. And then this is like a whole day of everyone wanting to invest. And you're like, what the fuck? Where did this come from? I, I would have given up if, if, if I hadn't had this like as my agenda kind of mm. thing. It just kind of teaches yeah. you that like, okay, when they say you need to talk to 100 VCs, what they mean is you have to talk to 100 VCs and, and 95 will probably say no and you, you just carry mm. on. And so hopefully yes. that's been a really useful lesson. Yeah. So what are some, uh, some other useful lessons that you took away from the book? I think something that I've been noticing anyway from the business is that there's no recipes or silver bullets for like success or to solve your problems. And like, I often like try and jump on like invest on sort of, you know, on one big thing, like, Oh, if we just do this one big thing, like we'll we'll nail it. And like, when you try and go for that one big thing, you generally just fail. And there's no like silver bullet to solve your problems. It's just sort of constant maintenance of, of motivation and just keep going and, try the best ideas you can and like just like micro improvements every week is is how you just keep making sure you don't like go backwards and so they're trying to jump a mile just try and like walk the next step and mm-hmm. yeah that's been something that like has been universally happened every single time so far we try to do something huge it's just been like oh no whereas again for small things just just happens and so because he in the book he talks quite a lot about culture. Any anything you you took away from there or something? Because you're like starting to build your company culture right now. Yeah, definitely. So as he talks about like take care of people, products, and profits in that order, and certainly enjoying the work, I think is essential. And it sort of goes like just being like good company for the those around you, and like letting them enjoy their time at work is just like huge, and letting them know that you can can be relied on and stuff and. It's been really awesome with my business partner and stuff. Like, it's just really good at keeping everyone positive. And we've we've been a bit stretched to spend time with the team, which has been a bit harsh over the last three weeks. But as in today, we had like a good hour just before this meeting where we should have just got everyone to t- say like what's been going well this week, what hasn't gone well this week. And then we sort of, at the end of that, it was like, it was like a really motivating kind of hour anyway, just, just saying those two things, just for like the different people to hear like what's working and not. And like the design has been a bit distant from the developers, but you heard some of the problems that they're having and so it's like, oh shit, I'm going to help you with these things. And it's just been really good for us to kind of all get to know each other a bit better just through doing that. And then just work on like one thing at the end of each week that we're going to change as a business that we can all sort of go towards. It will improve us. And if we keep doing that every week, like we'll have like 52 things that we've improved over a year. And that's been really cool just to be able to like hear people and get them to feel like they're being listened to. Also, we've been trying to just like have some fun time at some point, but it's really hard when we're remote and it's a little mm. time for calls. Whereas if we were all like in the same office and like, yeah, I, I am going for beers sort of once a week, maybe twice with the other people that are here because it's just so nice to like relax a little bit, but I'd love to be doing that with all my team as opposed to mm-hmm. other people who are going through the same thing as I am, but they're not like part of the team and it's pretty that we're missing them out. Yeah, he talks about facing hard decisions head on yeah it's definitely like i don't have time to not deal with hard decisions because <laughs> then this they become like much bigger problems hiring this is something that i need to get onto more i've been like just relying on like my friends a bit too much and i need to kind of actually sort of just really like go out and start interviewing a lot more people and not expect anyone to be perfect as they are and just hire for like lack of weaknesses and willingness to like take on their weaknesses rather than strengths alone is something that i think is a really good lesson he writes about and uh, yeah so specifically so what he says is that you should hire for strength not lack of weakness which is one of the reasons he emphasizes that executive hiring decisions should be taken by the ceo specifically and it's usually best to make it a one-person decision because if you decide 
to hire someone in group, it usually converges towards hiring for lack of weakness instead of specifically hiring for the strength that you need. Mm. Yeah. Clear expectations of what it is that you like, need and are hiring for. Mm-hmm. Like, there's always going to be something wrong with every employee that you have because no one's perfect. But if you should have had like a framework to sort of just make sure you, you're going for the right thing, it's pretty essential because not always good at mm-hmm. that. You need to know what you want. And if someone can deliver but doesn't tick other boxes, then uh, it might still be a very, very good person to hire. He also mentioned what I found like pretty surprising. So he, t- he tells about, I think it was his CFO coming to him and asking him, like, I'm, my ambition is to become a COO, so a chief operating officer. Like, what can I be doing like, in preparation for this? And so he gave him some tips on how to do that. And a, b- a bit later, he heard about another executive, another person in his executive team who came to him and, was, and who was saying that the CFO told him or her that he was being groomed by Ben, the CEO, to become the COO. And so there it is, like it is like the whole politics in yeah. the company uh, politics game. And so he gives some interesting insights in how to deal with that, which were surprising for me because I always thought that you um, as a CEO needed to be nice to everyone and to, you know, keep the, the to keep their ambitions high and, and to keep everyone happy. But what he actually says is that sometimes you have to be clear and just say like, I cannot talk about this or this is like, this is not your job. Or sometimes you, you need to think further ahead about what this would mean for the politics in your company with the things that you say. And so you have to be careful with everything that you do and say, yeah, mm. which makes it a daunting task. And then these things become more difficult as the company grows, right? Definitely. So like Ben Ben's company, they they were hiring like a, I don't know, 100 people a month or something, insane like that. And so after like a year after the company was was founded, they already had 600 employees. Wow! Like a burning rate in the millions, like crazy numbers like that. And so you see, like these stories are only possible in Silicon Valley, basically. And it also made me realize that if you want to be like an ultra successful, ultra huge tech startup, you need to be in an ecosystem where the talent is, basically. Like he was talking about like getting the correct executives on the team and mm. you know, you want the best people in the world on your team. And so for me, I live in Brussels. If I wanted to start a super huge and ambitious tech startup, like the people that would be required to make that successful cannot be found here. So I understand why, you know, most of the giants are, you know, either in China or, or in, in Silicon Valley. I guess London in Europe is probably the best place to be. Yeah, I think London and Berlin to be the best but it's i mean yeah there are there's quite a few billion dollar companies now in london but compared to america it's nothing and uh, i mean if you think mm-hmm. of them um, in terms of social networking there's no social media company in the uk mm-hmm. or europe basically and they're all us and and then tiktok <laughs> every other single one is from like silicon valley pretty much um yeah, yeah exactly so yeah it's a interesting one you're gonna be the first yeah yeah basically (laughs) (laughs) the plan yeah cool so yeah i mean i found it a super interesting book and but for me personally not super useful at this moment as i'm not launching a company right at this moment or or running one yeah Um, but i think like this is like this is a must read if you're a startup founder slash ceo and if you're not then it's not super useful i think it's just i think people that give negative comments about you know tech billionaires like Zuckerberg or Bill Mm. Gates or Jeff Bezos. It would be nice if they could read this just to realize that these people did not get where they are just by, you know, 
pure luck. Yeah, yeah, they weren't like just like abusing. A, yeah, it's not just like oh, greed. I was going to be a billionaire and like piss off other people. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they really, really fought and took on a lot of hard things and, and stress. And yeah, certainly interesting. What one thing we didn't talk about was the Peter Principle. It's where in a hierarchy, members get promoted whilst they're working competently, and then you ultimately get promoted to a position where you're no longer competent. So you keep on getting promoted whilst you're good at things until you reach a level where you're like actually now incompetent at the thing that you've been promoted to. And at which point you just sort of stay and you can't like get further promotional and you kind of like take up the role and it becomes like stagnant. And uh, Mm -hmm. this is one thing that Netflix is really good at is in like they sort of, you're not actually a permanent employee of Netflix. You're expected that you might actually leave in a year kind of thing. And uh, that you're kind of there for a specific role but it's a very hard one to kind of manage because if you kind of always want to reward people and give them a path but then there's some things that people they don't always have the skills for it's a very hard one to combat and you need to make sure that's why like all the corporate training stuff exists to try and like make people better and such but it's um interesting thing that people end up stuck in i mean it's not something that i'm too worried about right now <laughs> with sort of yeah. six people but it, i mean oh, well i say i mean i should probably be worried about it because we've got like founding team people i guess if you talk if you consider the six people are these people going to be like the the head of design and the head of product like in in three years time like maybe not and Mm. (laughs) making sure that they uh, don't get promoted something they're not capable of doing but get like the opportunities to sort of develop themselves as much as possible is uh is a hard one to manage and make sure we're doing the best job of yeah he also talks specifically about, you know, starting your company, hiring your friends to become an executive. Mm-hmm. And then when the company grows, outgrows the skill set of that person. And you basically need to demote them and, and get an outside hire who has experience or who knows how to run like a larger business. He talks about all these decisions that, that need to be met. And so it's, yeah, again, it's, it's, it's tough, but uh, these, like you need to, as a CEO, think with your business in mind first because you have you know a lot of stakeholders you have employees if, if the business fails and everyone's fired anyway so but yeah these decisions need to be made and and they are going to be taken personal at some point so it's a tough job starting a company and building a business yeah that's for sure yep. <laughs> i can agree with that cool all right time for a rating a nine eight 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 and a half <laughs> it's, it's really good really motivating lots of insights for it i would would recommend it to everyone really i not sure maybe it's just the fact that you feel constantly stressed the whole time that it doesn't make it the nicest experience to read (laughs) (laughs) somehow i could have learned those things perhaps without feeling quite so stressed about it but maybe this is a good thing probably is yeah probably maybe it should be a 10 i don't i feel like i'm gonna stick with a nine making decisions all right i'm gonna I'm going to, I think, uh, have a large difference with you. Like our, our largest difference until now, because yeah, for like me, four. it was more, uh, I'll give it a five. Yeah. I'll be generous. Nice. No, I think it's a, it's, it's a good book. I actually enjoyed reading it, but I think it's extremely niche. And so I can imagine for you personally, it's super useful as you're now uh, building a company. But for me, I'm not in that position. And I think actually very few people are specifically in that position. And so I think it's, it's like a guide slash handbook that you can read and get tips from when you need them. And, and so I'm comparing it to other books that like change the way you think about the world from a fundamental point of view. And I yeah. think, for example, the Lean Startup is, is way more powerful there because the principles of the Lean Startup can be applied in so many different uh, ways. Uh, and the same with, with for example, what, what Taleb writes about. But for me, this one was almost too specific to really be like a, an, an outlier in the space. So mm. 
Yeah, um, you're right. That's why I'm giving it a five. Cool. Yeah, as in, it certainly helped change the ways in it because there's so much of my world is currently taken up with these things. It's changed a lot of how mm. I think about my current world. <laughs> oh, Whereas, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, overall, probably not so much as. I mean, if you are going to be a VC or if you're going to work in startups, I think it's certainly useful to read if you're not going to be the CEO, just to sort of mm-hmm. know what you're looking for in the person that you want to work for or like work with as an investor kind of thing. But again, mm-hmm. that's also not like that many people in the world are actually into that. <laughs> it's, it's just that these are all the people I spend the time talking to is like VCs, employees, or like other people like me right now. So it's like, oh, the whole world should read this book. And it's like, no, it's... <laughs> like one percent of people maybe <laughs> yeah yeah exactly cool, cool. Uh, that rounds up this episode uh, we haven't yet decided which book we're going to do next but that's going to be a surprise then so um see you next week cheers hey there nico here your second favorite host of the wiser than yesterday podcast um sam and i would like to get some feedback from you so what we're going to do from now on is each episode we're going to select one random comment from the past weeks and we will give them a free electronic version of the book that we've just read. So if you like what we are doing, or if you don't like what we're doing, or if you have a comment or a question, just reach out and we might be in touch. Cheers. Thank you for listening to our podcast. As you know, we are doing this to try and help you get smarter. Well, I have another project for podcast listeners just like you who want to be smart. Nico and I learned so much from reading the same things together and discussing them, and I wanted there to be a tool that made it easy for anyone to listen to the same podcasts and books together with their friends. So I'm building the app Syncify, which does just that. It connects you with your friends in the app, listen to the same things at the same time, or create shared playlists and work through them at your own pace. You can share comments and highlights of your favourite bits, and become smarter by seeing what your friends think around the same content that you enjoy. As a bonus, it also helps with your mental health and reduces isolation. Personally, I hate publishing my life on social media, which I find all rather antisocial, and I don't go out of my way to phone a friend for no reason other than the fact I feel lonely. But I do love doing things with other people, and having my friends listen to the same things is, is really awesome. I mean, I used to speak to Nico like once a year before we started this book club together, And now we talk all the time because we're just doing something together. So do yourself a favor and sign up for the Syncify app at syncifyapp.com. And I really hope it helps. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed the show or learned anything new, be sure to share it with your friends. And I just can't tell you how great it is if you were to happen to leave a review on iTunes. These really do help quite a lot. If you have any questions or books that you'd like us to read, feel free to reach out to us through the website, wiserpod.com, or reach out to us on LinkedIn. And just keep loving and keep learning, and ideally, keep listening. Big love from Sam and Nico, and the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Wiser.